welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. Welcome to Syosset Library's Turn the Page podcast. This is Jessica. I am your host today, and I'm really excited about uh, this chat. Uh, so I'm going to um, ask our guest to introduce herself and um, tell us about what she does and um, about the tattoo museum that she works with. Oh, hi. Um, yeah, my name's Michelle Miles, and I co-own Daredevil Tattoo in New York City. And uh, we, me and my business partner, Brad Fink, um, opened in 1997. And we have a tattoo museum that's a part of our tattoo shop. And we happen to be located down the street from uh, the Bowery in Chatham Square, which is uh, recognizes um, basically the birthplace of modern tattooing. So 1997 is actually kind of a big year for tattooing in New York City. Um, I remember it well, because um, prior to that, was it not legal to get tattooed in New York City? Yeah, it was uh, illegal from 1961 until 97. And I, I actually started tattooing in 91. So I worked for six years underground before it was legalized. So what was the reasoning, first of all, for it being not legal in New York City. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, it's like nobody's really 100% sure why tattooing was banned in New York. Um, there's a lot of different theories out there. Uh, the I think the official reason was that they blamed it on a hepatitis outbreak. Um, but then I've also heard stories that it was the same time that they um, started immunizing the military for hepatitis. And then um, I also heard stories that like there was this... Uh, well-to-do woman was on the Bowery and she was kind of sightseeing and went into um, like the Moskowitz brothers shop and they threw her out and weren't very nice to her. And um, I know people speculate, or I guess she said she had some connections and was like, you're going to regret this. And uh, so, you know, that's so, so really she was, she was, she was what, what we would, what today, an apology for anybody who has this name, because I've met very lovely people with this name. So she was like a Karen before we called people Karens. Yeah. I mean, I guess it was like a kind of a thing back when that, um, you know, people would go down to the Bowery to, you know, you know, back then they even called it uh, slumming it, you know, they would go and they'd um, kind of want to gawk at like all the craziness that was down there. The Bowery was a pretty rough and tumble place. And so sometimes you'd have like these, uh, you know, more well-off people would go down there just to kind of take in the sights and sort of, you know, yeah, look at all the weirdos and everything. And uh, yeah, so for whatever reason, this, you know, the story is this lady went into their shop and and Stanley and Walter were not accommodating and uh, or polite. And uh, she, you know, some people said she was like married to a senator or something like that. And uh, but then there was also speculation that maybe they banned tattooing because, you um, it was like around the time of the New York World's Fair and they wanted to kind of clean up the city. Um, so nobody really knows for certain. So you got you mentioned that you got into it um, before and you were underground. Um, what was that like? How did you how did you get into tattooing? 
Uh, I got my first tattoo when I was in high school and I was a punk rock kid. And just um, whenever I had some extra money, I, you know, would get more tattoos and just whenever I could kind of hang out in tattoo shops. And uh, and, um, at some point um, when I was I was in art school and my roommate started tattooing and well, she bought a starter kit. And so that kind of gave me the idea. And uh, I didn't I didn't really have a um, sort of uh, I didn't have like a proper apprenticeship uh, since it was illegal. You couldn't uh, go to a shop and apprentice. But maybe that worked in my favor because just being a girl back then, um, you know, probably it's it's very hard to get an apprenticeship um, anytime, you know, these days back then. And uh, so probably I wouldn't have done well if I would have gone into in a shop and asked for an apprenticeship. And so this way I kind of just fumbled along on my own for a couple of years. And at some point I got a um, job in a legal street shop out in Jersey. And uh, I feel like that was what really taught me how to tattoo because it was a very busy shop. And so I was just tattooing like eight or 10 hours a day, you know, many days a week. And so that really was what helped me out. But um you know, as far as tattooing, when it was illegal goes, um, it was never really enforced in any way. Like, and I think in the 30 something years, it was illegal. Like nobody was ever actually like busted for tattooing. Uh, so I used to, uh, advertise in the back of the village voice and it was just, um, word of mouth. And, uh, yeah, I used to tattoo cops all the time and they, they didn't care. It was uh, more of a health code violation. It wasn't like a criminal offense. I think if anything, you could get maybe like a summons or something. Um, so yeah, just no sign out front or anything, but, uh, mostly it was word of mouth. Yeah, I do distinctly remember prior to 97 walking around the village and there were definitely tattoo shops. I mean, without without a doubt. Um, yeah, and, yeah. It, it to the point where it's kind of ridiculous that it was illegal because people were opening up shops. But, um, was, you know, most of the tattooers I knew, myself included, none of us were pushing for it to be legalized because it sort of kept a lot of tattooers out of the city. And so it sort of kept the competition down somewhat. So let's talk about the museum. Um, when did it begin? And uh, you talked a little bit about, you said the Moskowitz Brothers shop um, on the Bowery. Um, talk a little bit about some of the stuff that you have there and how it all started. Uh, well, we moved to our current location in 2014. Um, we used to be up like on uh, Ludlow and Houston over by Katz's Deli. Um, and then in 2014, we moved like seven blocks south. So now we're like um, on Canal Street and uh, between like Essex and Ludlow. And um, when we were setting up the shop, um, my business partner, Brad, he has like this really massive collection of tattoo, antique tattoo stuff. And um, so when we were trying to figure out how we were going to design the space, um, you know, I was like, oh, you know, it'd be really cool if you hung up a couple original things in the shop. And Brad was like, oh, I could fill this whole place up. And so that was what we did. And um, we thought if there was any place that really needed a tattoo museum, it was definitely New York City, um, especially being where we were close to Chatham Square and the Bowery. Um, you know, it's just a, it's a very rich history down there. And so um, we, you know, 
think it's really cool to share this collection that we have and to, you know, just share that history with other people and other tattooers. And um, before the pandemic, I mean, we, you know, used to get visitors pretty much every day from all over the world. It's uh, definitely tourism has slowed down in New York since the pandemic. Um, but um, it is it is really cool, like, um, you know, how many visitors we get and that people are so excited to see some of the stuff that we have. What are some of your favorite things that you have? Um, I mean, probably the most famous thing we have is uh, we have the Sundancer, which was this um, painting by Burt Grimm. And um, then uh, we have, a, you know, a lot of like artwork, but then we also have a lot of um, antique tattoo machines and probably one of the most notable pieces we have is um, the Thomas Edison engraving pen that the first electric tattoo machine patent was based off of. And um, the uh, first um, electric tattoo machine patent was by this tattooer named Samuel O'Reilly, and he patented it in 1891. And he, he worked over in Chatham Square. So that's just like a couple blocks away from where we are. And um, basically his patent, it sort of like reconfigured a little bit this Thomas Edison device that was... Um, Edison had invented in 1876, and it was the first patent for a motorized device in the United States. And um, he invented it when he was working in the telegraph office. And it was basically the first um, uh, first uh, copying device. Like it, it was this perforating pen and you would write on paper with it. It would punch holes in the paper and then you would roll like ink over this the paper, it was all sold like in this kit together, you know, with, um, with the batteries and, you know, and the special ink and the roller and everything in this paper. And, uh, so you would kind of, it worked kind of like a pounce. And so it would, you know, punch these tiny little holes. And then, um, I think, you know, you can make like hundreds of copies like, uh, with it, but it was sort of, um, kind of outdated, like, uh, not too long after he invented it. So it wasn't like that much of a, uh, you know, business like success for him is, you know, compared to like a bunch of his other inventions, but the tattooers were looking at this new technology and they were trying to figure out like how they could incorporate it into tattooing because, um, before this, uh, tattoos were hand poke, which was a very, um, tedious, slow process. And so they were experimenting with all these new um, devices to try to figure out like how they could kind of bring tattooing into the machine age. And like one of the other devices that we have in the com uh, collection is a uh, dental plugger. And that was another thing that like, um, I guess it was for, used for packing cavities. And so it was like this handheld device. And so, you know, tattooers were just looking at all this stuff and trying to figure out how they could adapt it. And, and it's kind of funny because if you see like the advertising from the time back then, um, after they did start using these electric machines, it's like they usually advertised them as like painless and electric and, you know, speeds up the process. And it's just sort of funny that they, you know, all claim that tattooing was pain-free now that it was electric but you're still poking holes in people so. yeah I mean <laughs> having been tattooed a few times uh, certainly there's places that are less painful than others but um you know um I think uh I, what it what it seems to me also is you know just uh 
the the different ointments and everything sort of help. But I I, I mean I would wrap. Trust me, like I like the uh, the fact that we have the electric machines, the hand poking. I know some people still do it, right? In um, uh, yeah, I mean, actually, just last week, we had an artist visiting from Japan, and he used the traditional uh, Tabori technique. Um, he, he uses, uh, this particular artist uses a machine to outline, but then he uses um, hand poke technique to um, to shade in his designs. Um, so there, there are people who still do hand poke tattoos, and there's even, I'd say there's even kind of like a little bit of a trend of, you know, people, you know, contemporary tattooers doing hand poke designs just I guess for the novelty of it um but uh, it definitely changed the industry quite a bit when it was mechanized for sure and uh, you know it's it's just interesting today when you just see the art and how how the art kind of evolves but then like that classic flash is kind of um evergreen you know um like the you 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 see every possible type of tattoo from like super realistic to I mean there's like watercolor but no matter what like you can always go to a place and see you know like your classic hearts and your anchors or just different variations of it um and it's just really cool how you know things evolve and also inform each other from the past yeah, I mean, when I first started tattooing in the early 90s, like you couldn't give traditional tattoos away. Um, people were, you know, completely not interested in that style of tattooing. Um, and I think it's like you kind of go through this genera- generational thing. And it's like a lot of people back then, like they uh, were like, oh, I don't want to have a tattoo that looks like my grandpa. And, um, and it was kind of funny because at our old location, we actually had... Um, uh, a few copies of some of Brad's uh, designs like up on the wall and people would come in and they'd be like, Oh God, does anybody ever get this stuff? You know? And uh, so it was interesting to see like people kind of come around to appreciate it. And, you know, I think it was maybe like, uh, you know, you had the sailor Jerry, like there was a clothing line for a while and, and then the Ed Hardy clothing line. And um, so I think people started to wrap their head around the imagery and they started to appreciate its charm and, and how timeless it was. And, uh, and yeah, I, you know, it was definitely fun to like have all that, like become something that people, they understood it and they wanted it because it's definitely, you know, in my opinion, some of the most fun stuff to tattoo. So what, um, what were some of the um, tattoo studios in the city uh, before, you know, it was, it was banned, but what, what is some interesting history and um, do you have any remnants of it in the museum? Um, before, before it was banned, um, you know, like the earliest tattooer, like when, when we moved into our space, I thought it would be interesting to research, um, the old Bowery tattooers and to kind of like try to go back and, um, uh, figure out where everybody was working and, you know, when everybody was working. And so, you know, I wanted to, uh, figure out like, like the earliest tattooer I could find. And so, um, the first like uh, artist to open up a permanent place of business for tattooing in the United States was a tattooer named Martin Hildebrandt. And um, he was first listed as tattooing in the New York City directory in 1858. Um, So, you know, New York's tattoo history is like definitely rich. It goes back very far. I mean, even, you know, pre-Civil War. 
And um, he was he was not on the Bowery. He was a little bit like closer to the waterfront. His first place he was listed was on Water Street, actually. And um, then uh, after Hildebrandt, um, there was uh, was kind of like O'Reilly was the most prominent tattooer of his time. And he was working with an artist named um, Elmer Getchell. And the two of them kind of worked together on patenting the um, electric machine. And but then the two of them ended up in court fighting over it. Uh, but right like along the Bowery and Chatham Square, uh, it's maybe like four or five blocks. There's, it's kind of wild. Cause you know, the more I started digging, the more, you know, it's like seeing like all these addresses, they're just these couple of blocks right there that all these tattooers are, were just like jammed on top of each other. And there were, you know, so many artists and I'm still like finding names of people, um, you know, and finding different addresses and stuff. And, I also found uh, photographs that match like the, a lot of the buildings that are still there. Um, and we do have, uh, you know, our museum, like we definitely like really focus on trying to collect stuff that pertains to New York's tattoo history. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of like our specialty at this point. And we're always after new stuff. And we actually just got a really uh, amazing piece for our collection that is a sign that um, is by uh, Samuel O'Reilly. And I think it was from his um, travel book. And so we were super excited to get that. It was a woman founded at a Goodwill in Oklahoma City. Um, <laughs> and, wow. Uh, yeah, I know. I actually, yeah, I flew to Oklahoma last week to pick it up. <laughs> but um, cool. Yeah. And we have, we have an, a sign that was from Charlie Wagner and we have uh, photos from back in the day and, uh, and flash from a bunch of the different artists from back then. Like uh, we also have, we have a piece that's by uh, Lou Alberts. Lou Alberts was called Lou the Jew and he worked with Charlie Wagner. Um, and he's the one who's really credited with inventing tattoo flash, um, which is what we call the designs that are hung up on the wall. Uh, Lou Alberts worked as a wallpaper designer before he was a tattoo artist. So maybe that's where he got the idea to kind of hang, hang the sheets up instead of, um, you know, having stuff in a book. Um, and we have, a, you know, some artifacts from Charlie Wagner. Um, Wagner, when uh, O'Reilly passed away, um, Charlie Wagner was the one who took over um, O'Reilly's space on, on Chatham Square and, and worked there for like 50 years almost. Um, and when I first started tattooing in the early nineties, you actually used to see, uh, old guys with tattoos from Charlie Wagner. And he was, um, you know, he would tattoo people for a quarter. He was 25 cent Charlie Wagner. And you could always tell his tattoos because he would have like these little sort of swirls with some stars by them. And, um, so, you know, it was pretty cool to, you know, see those guys walking around, you know, with these old Wagner designs, but I, I haven't seen one of those in a long time. <laughs> so what about women in tattooing? Uh, there was back then there was uh, Millie Hull. Um, she actually um, learned from Charlie Wagner. Or he was the one who sold her like her first equipment. And uh, Millie Hull used to advertise as being um, New York's only lady tattooer. Um, and we have a really interesting article with Millie Hall in the museum that's from, uh, she made the cover of Family Circle magazine in 1936. Um, 
So she definitely must have been a pretty tough lady because um, there weren't any other women tattooers. I mean, the other women sort of involved with tattooing back then would have been like the tattooed ladies. Um, there were a lot of the dime museums on the Bowery, um, which kind of like all started with uh, P.T. Barnum. He had his, um, you know, his museums and stuff. And uh, before you had movie theaters, dime museums were kind of like the sort of family entertainment that you would pay this like a dime to get inside of them. And you walk around with the family and they'd have all these like oddities and uh, performers and stuff. And pretty much any self-respecting dime museum would have a uh, tattooed lady and a tattooed man, or they would even have, you know, a tattoo artist in there, like O'Reilly worked in a dime, in dime museums. It's so crazy to me just how, you know, like when I got my first tattoo, it was 96. I was 16. That tattoo place should not have tattooed me at 16, but they did um but it was you know it was still a bit of a taboo where I was and especially for girls um to get tattooed but now the obviously the culture seems to be very very different um have you seen a big shift um from an industry level um you mean in terms of like women and Women and just tattooing in general, just the social, um, the, the way that um, society sort of views it. Um, I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's uh, been drastic, the changes. I mean, um, when, you know, when I first started getting tattooed, I got my first tattoo, I think it was like 1988. Um, you know, it was definitely an out there thing to do. I mean, I, I like the expression. I, I don't know where I heard it, but it was like somebody said, oh, you used to get tattooed to be out. And now you get tattooed to be in. And, uh, you know, it's it's changed, you know, so much. I always think of it more like um, kind of like how like when women first started wearing um, pants, you know, it's like it wasn't so much a uh, a trend is it just became acceptable. And so, you know, tattoos have, you know, they're just accepted by mainstream culture. I mean, I was just like, you know, I don't know, scrolling through like the New York times and, you know, found another ad with, uh, involving tattooing. I I'm, I'm amazed, like just watching TV, how, how many brands now have, um, you know, kind of like grabbed onto tattooing as like a, a way to, you know, I guess, catch your eye or whatever in advertising. It's like, now it's like medications use people with tattoos and phone companies and you name it. It's, you know, been embraced by popular culture for, for better, or for worse. And, uh, it's, you know, wild to me, like how, how much it's changed, you know, because it used to be like people would kind of avoid you if you had tattoos and now people want to talk to you and talk about their tattoos. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, it's um, it, it's sort of um, become. I don't know. I, I I like the pants analogy. That's um, that's that's pretty cool. Um, but also at the same time, I just kind of feel like it's um, opened up just a different way for people to express themselves. And you know, in the past, like maybe people would be like, "Oh, I'd love one, but I'd never get one because X Y Z." And now it's like is XYZ really an issue? You know, like um, people, like you mentioned, you know, like you're seeing ads because this is 
what culture kind of is and sort of is evolving to be like, yeah, a lot of people have tattoos. This is life. Um, so it's, yeah. it's funny to me, like, you know, when people talk about tattooing being kind of a, a trend or a fad or whatever, and it's like, you know, from the research I've done, it's like I, there, I found articles from the 1880s that talk about this new tr trend of tattooing. And um, there's an article from like 1900 and it says uh, the headline is something like um, uh, tattooing fad is all the rage and, and New York women are the victims. And, <laughs> and I can't really think of anything else that has been called a fad going back more than a hundred years. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, so this is just, um, if people want to come visit the museum, um, where are you located again? Uh, we're at 141 Division Street. We're on the Lower East Side, kind of the edge of Chinatown. And um, we're, Division Street is kind of like, we got this little triangle in front of the shop where it sort of like bumps into Canal Street. So basically we're at Canal between Ludlow and Essex. And um yeah, right by the F train, uh, the East Broadway stop. Um, but the Lower East Side, it's, it's a lot of fun to visit, like just, just in general. And, you know, we're really uh, happy that we're like, you know, in the middle of like where there was so much tattoo history and that, you know, it is so closely linked to, to the neighborhood. Um, to me, it's, it's kind of wild. Cause when I first started working on the Lower East side, the Lower East side was, you know, kind of like this dangerous, scary place. And, you know, and tattoos were kind of like seen as like dangerous and scary and intimidating. And, uh, I feel like tattooing and Lower East side have kind of like grown up together hand in hand. Um, you know, it's like, I never would have thought that both of them would become so, I guess, posh. <laughs> and uh, if somebody would like to jump on this fad <laughs> and get a tattoo at your shop or, you know, maybe add to um, add to this trend, um, how far in advance should you plan on booking and how does that process work? Um, I mean, our, our shop, like we try to have people available for walk-ins um, so people can just come in um, and, uh, or, you know, they can book an appointment through our website. Uh, me personally, um, they can email me and, or, you know, through the website. Um, but yeah, people can just like jump in and get tattooed, come check out the museum and, you know, get a tattoo on the same day. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was really fun to talk to you. Um, I, you know what? I do have a question though. What was your first tattoo? Oh, I, um, <laughs> I got my first tattoo when I was 17 and, uh, I was living in, in Texas, Houston for a brief, uh, moment. And, um, I, I wanted to get a black Panther off the wall, but I only had $25. So I ended up getting a little black, pan, uh, little black cat on my shoulder. Um, and it was kind of like your tattoo experience where midway through the tattoo, the tattooer was like, are you 18? I said, no. And he's like, all right, if you're not, don't tell anyone where you got this. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was my first experience. I, I had $25 in my pocket and that was, uh, that was what I got. <laughs>
Excellent. Thank you so much. Um, so once again, this was Jessica with Syosset Libraries Turn the Page podcast. Our guest today was Michelle Miles at Daredevil Tattoo. And if you enjoyed uh, this episode, Michelle will be virtually appearing on, I believe, is it January 26th, Thursday, January 26th? I think so. Yeah, in the evening, Eastern time. So um, please check Syosset Library's calendar um, for a link to the webinar. And um, you'll get to get a little bit of a tour of the museum. And um, there'll be some Q&A at the end. So I'm excited. All right. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming. It's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Join us for the next episode.